at the edge of chaos. Thorn came up onto the edge of the ridge and turned left, accelerating. The road stretched ahead in the moonlight, a narrow strip running between a rock wall to his left, and a sheer cliff falling away on the right. Twenty feet above him, on the ridge, he saw the raptors leaping and snorting as they ran parallel to the jeep. Levine saw them too. And what are we going to do? he said. Thorn shook his head. Look in the toolkit. Look in the glove compartment. Get anything you can find. Levine bent over, fumbling in the darkness, but Thorn knew they were in trouble. The gun was gone. They were in the jeep with a cloth top, and the raptors were all around them. He guessed he was probably about half a mile from the clearing and the trailer. Half a mile to go. Thorn slowed as he came into the next curve, moving the car away from the plunging drop of the cliff. Rounding the curve, he saw a raptor crouched in the middle of the road, facing them, its head lowered menacingly. Thorn accelerated toward it. The raptor leapt up in the air, legs raised high. It landed on the hood of the car, claws squealing as they raked metal. It smashed against the windshield, the glass streaking spiderwebs. With the animal's body laying against the windshield, Thorn couldn't see anything. On this dangerous road, he slammed on the brakes. Hey! Levine shouted, tumbling forward. The raptor on the hood slid off to the side. Now Thorn could see again, and he stamped on the gas. Levine fell back again as the car moved forward, but three raptors were charging in the car from the side. One jumped onto the running board and locked its jaws on the side mirror. The animal's glaring eye was close to Thorn's face. He swung the wheel left, scraping the car along the rocky face of the road. Ten yards ahead, the boulder protruded. He glanced at the raptor, which continued to hold on tenaciously. Right to the moment when the boulder smashed into the side mirror, tearing it away, the raptor was gone. The road widened a little. Thorn had more room to manoeuvre now. He felt a heavy thump and looked up to see the canvas top sagging above his head. Claws slashed down by his ear, ripping through the canvas. He swung the car to the right and then left again. The claws pulled out, but the animal was still up there, its body indenting the cloth. Beside him, Levine produced a big hunting knife and thrust it upward through the cloth. Immediately, another claw raked downward, slashing Levine's hand. He yelled in pain, dropping the knife. Thorn bent over, reaching down to the floor for it. In the rearview mirror, he saw two more raptors in the road behind him, chasing the jeep. They were gaining on him. But the road was broader now, and he accelerated. The raptor on the roof peered over the top, looking in through the broken windshield. Thorn held the knife in his fist and jabbed it straight up with full force again and again. It didn't seem to make any difference. As the road curved, he jerked the wheel to the right and then back. The whole jeep tilted, and the raptor on the roof lost its grip and rolled backwards off the top. It tore most of the canvas roof away as it went. The animal bounced on the ground and hit the two pursuing raptors. The impact knocked all three over the side. They fell snarling down the cliff face. Well, that does it, Levine shouted. But a moment later, another raptor jumped down from the cliff and ran forward only a few feet from the jeep. And lightly, almost easily, the raptor leapt up into the back of the jeep. In the passenger seat, Levine stared. The raptor was fully inside the jeep. Its head low, arms up, jaws wide, in an unmistakable attack posture. The raptor hissed at him. Levine thought, 
It's all over. He was shocked. His entire body broke out in sweat. He felt dizzy, and he realised in a single instant there was nothing he could do. That he was moments from death. The creature hissed again, snapping its jaws, crouching to lunge. And then suddenly white foam appeared at the corner of its mouth, and its eyes rolled back. Foam bubbled out of its jaws. It began to twitch, its body going into spasms. It fell over on its side in the back of the car. Behind them he now saw Sarah on the motorcycle and Kelly holding the rifle. Thorn slowed and Sarah pulled alongside them. She handed the key to Levine. Throw the cage, she shouted. Levine took it numbly, almost dropped it. He was in shock. Moving slowly, dumbly, I nearly died, he thought. Get her a gun, Fawn said. Levine looked off to the left, where more raptors were still racing along the parallel to the car. He counted six, but there were probably more. He tried to count again, his mind working slowly. Get that damn gun! Levine took the gun from Kelly, feeling the cold metal of the barrel in his hands. But now the car sputtered, and the engine coughing, dying, and then coughing again, and jerking forward. What's that? he said, turning to Thorn. Trouble, Thorn said. We're out of gas. Thorn popped the car into neutral and it rolled forward, losing speed. Ahead was a slight rise, and beyond that, across a curve, he could see the road slope down again. Sarah was on the motorcycle behind them, shaking her head. Thorn realised his only hope was to make it over the rise. He said to Levine, Unlock the cage. Get him out of there. Levine was suddenly moving quickly, almost panicky, but crawled back and got the key in the lock. The cage creaked open and he helped Arby out. Thorn watched the speedometer as the needle fell. They were going 25 miles an hour, and then 20, and then 15. The raptors running alongside began to move closer, sensing the car was in trouble. 15 miles an hour, still falling. Here's out, Levine said from the back. He clanged the cage shut. Push the cage off, Fawn said. The cage rolled off the back, bouncing down the hill. Ten miles an hour. The car seemed to be creeping. And then they were over the rise, moving down the other side, gaining speed again. Twelve miles an hour. Fifteen. Twenty. He careened around the curves, trying not to touch the brakes. Levine said, We'll never make it to the trailer. He was screaming at the top of his lungs, eyes wide with fear. I know. Thorn could see the trailer off to the left but separated from them by the gentle rise in the road. They could not get there. But up ahead the road forked, sloping down to the right toward the laboratory. And if he remembered correctly, that road was all downhill. Thorn turned right away from the trailer. He saw the big roof of the laboratory, a flat expanse in the moonlight. He followed the road past the laboratory, down around the back toward the worker village. He saw the manager's house to the right, and the convenience store with the gas pumps in front. Was there a chance they might still have gasoline? Look, Levine said, pointing behind them. Look, look! Thorn glanced over his shoulder and saw the raptors were dropping back, giving up the chase. In the vicinity of the laboratory, they seemed to hesitate. They're not following us anymore, Levine shouted. Yeah, Thorn said. But where's Sarah? Behind them, Sarah's motorcycle was nowhere to be seen. Trailer.
Sarah Harding twisted the handlebars, and the motorcycle shot forward over the low rise in the road ahead. She crested and came down again, heading toward the trailer. Behind her, four raptors snarled in pursuit. She accelerated, trying to get ahead of them, to gain precious yards, because they were going to need it. She leaned back and shouted to Kelly, Okay, this has to be fast! What? Kelly shouted. When we get to the trailer, you jump off and run in. Don't wait for me, you understand? Kelly nodded tensely. Whatever happens, don't wait for me. Okay! Harding roared up to the trailer, braked hard. The bike skidded on the wet grass, banged into the metal siding. But Kelly was already leaping off, scrambling up toward the door, going into the trailer. Sarah had wanted to get to the bike inside, but she saw the raptors were very close, too close. She pushed the bike toward them, and in a single motion stepped up and threw herself through the trailer door, landing on her back on the floor. She twisted her body around and kicked the door shut with her legs, just as the first raptor slammed against it. Inside the dark trailer, she held the door shut as the animals pounded it repeatedly. She felt for the lock on the floor, but couldn't find one. Ian, does this door lock? She heard Malcolm's voice dreamy in the darkness. Her wife uh, is as a, a crystal, he said. Ian, try and pay attention. Then Kelly was alongside her, hands moving up and down. The raptor thumped against the door. After a moment, she said, It's down here by the floor. Harding heard a metallic clink and stepped away. Kelly reached out, took her hand. The raptors were pounding and snarling outside. It'll be okay, Harding said reassuringly. She bent over to Malcolm, still lying on the bed. The raptors snapped and lunged at the windows near the head, their claws raking the glass. Malcolm watched them calmly. Ah, uh, are noisy uh, bastards, aren't they? By his side, the first aid kit was open, a syringe in the cushion. He had probably injected himself again. Through the window, the animals stopped thrumming themselves against the glass. She heard the sound of scraping metal from over the door, and then saw the raptors were dragging the motorbike away from the trailer. They were hopping up and down in it in fury. It wouldn't be long before they punctured the tyres. Ian, she said, we have to do this fast. Uh, I'm, in, I'm in no rush, he said calmly. She said, what kind of weapons have we got here? Uh, weapons? Uh, uh, I, 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 I don't know, he sighed. Uh, what do you want weapons for? Ian, please. You're, you're talking so fast, he said. Uh, you know, uh, Sarah, you, you really ought to, ought to try and relax. In the darkened trailer, Kelly was frightened, but she was reassured at the no-nonsense way Sarah talked about the weapons. And Kelly was beginning to see that Sarah didn't let anything stop her. She just went and did it. This whole attitude of not letting the other people stop you, or believing that you could do what you wanted, was something that she found herself imitating. Kelly listened to Dr. Malcolm's voice and knew that he would be of no help. He was on drugs and he didn't care. And Sarah didn't know her way around the trailer. Kelly did. She'd researched the trailer earlier, looking for food, and she seemed to remember. In the darkness, she pulled open the drawers quickly. She squinted, trying to see. She was sure she remembered one drawer lower down had contained a pack marked with skull and crossbones. That pack might have some kind of weapon, she thought. She heard Sarah say, Ian, try and think. And she heard Dr. Malcolm say, Oh, uh, I have been. Uh, Sarah, I have had the most uh, wonderful thoughts. 
Uh, you know, all those uh, carcasses uh, of the of the raptor site present a, a wonderful uh, ex uh, example of... Not now, Ian. Kelly went through the drawers, leaving them open so she would know which ones she'd already checked. She moved down the trailer, and then her hand touched rough canvas. She leaned forward. Yes, this was it! Kelly pulled out the square canvas pack that was surprisingly heavy. She said, Sarah, look! Sarah Harding took the pack to the window, where moonlight shone in. She unzipped the pack and stared at the contents. The pack was divided into padded sections. She saw three square blocks made from some substance that felt rubbery, and there were small silvery cylinder like small oxygen bottles. What is all this stuff? Uh, we, uh, we thought it, were, it was a good idea, Malcolm said, but uh, now I'm not so sure it was. The, uh, the thing is that... What is it? she said, interrupting. She had to keep him focused. His mind was drifting. Non-lethals, Malcolm said. Alexander's uh, ragtime band. Uh, we wanted to have a... What's this? she said, holding up one of the blocks in front of his face. Uh, area dispersal smoke cube. Uh, wh wh what you uh, do is... Just smoke, she said. It just it, it makes smoke? Uh, yeah, but... What's this? she said, raising up a silvery cylinder. It had writing on it. Uh, Colonesterase bomb. Uh, releases gas, produce short-term paralysis when it goes off, or so they say. How short? Uh, a few uh, minutes, I, I think, but uh, how does it work? She said, turning it in her hand. There was a cap at the end with a locking pin. She started to pull it off to get a look at the mechanism. Don't, he said. That's that's how you do it. You pull the pin and throw. Goes off in about uh, three seconds. Okay, she said. Hastily, she picked up the medical kit, throwing the syringe inside, shutting the lid. What are you, what are you doing? Malcolm said, alarmed. We're getting out of here, she said as she moved to the door. Malcolm sighed. It's, uh, it's so nice to have a man around the house, he said. The cylinder sailed through the air, tumbling in the moonlight. The raptors were about five yards away, clustered around the bike. One of the animals looked up and saw the cylinder which landed in the grass a few yards away. Sarah stood by the door, waiting. Nothing happened. No explosion. Nothing. Ian, it didn't work. Curious, one raptor hopped over toward where the cylinder had landed on the grass. It ducked down, and when it raised its head, it held the cylinder glinting in its jaws. She sighed. It didn't work. Oh, never mind, Malcolm said calmly. The raptor shook his head, biting into the cylinder. What do we do now? Kelly said. There was a loud explosion, and a cloud of dense white smoke blasted outward across the clearing. The raptors disappeared in the cloud. Harding closed the door quickly. Now what? Kelly said. With Malcolm leaning on her shoulder, they moved across the clearing in the night. The gas cloud had disappeared several minutes before. The first raptor they found in the grass was lying on its side, eyes open, absolutely motionless. But it wasn't dead. Harling could see the steady pulse in the neck. The animal was merely paralysed. She said to Malcolm, How long will it last? I have uh, no idea, Malcolm said. Uh, much wind? There's no wind, Ian. Then uh, it should last a bit. They moved forward, now the raptors lay all around them. 
They stepped around all the bodies, smelling the rotten odour of carnivores. One of the animals lay across the bike. She eased Malcolm down to the ground, where he sat sighing. After a moment he began to sing. Harding tugged at the motorcycle handlebars, trying to pull the bike from beneath the raptor. The animal was too heavy. Kelly said, Let me, and reached for the handlebars. Harding went forward. Without hesitating, she bent over and put her arms around the raptor's neck and pulled the head upward. She felt a wave of revulsion. Hot, scaly skin scraped her arms and cheek. She grunted as she leaned back, raising the animal. She said to Kelly, Cut it! Not yet, Kelly said, pulling on the handlebars. Harding's face was inches from the velociraptor's head and jaws. The head flopped back and forth as she adjusted her grip. Close to her face, the open eye stared at her, unseeing. Harding tugged, trying to lift the animal higher. Almost, Kelly said. Harding groaned, lifting. The eye blinked. Frightened, Harding dropped the animal. Kelly pulled the bike away. Got it! Harding came around the raptor. Now the big leg twitched. The chest began to move. Let's go, she said. In behind me, Kelly on the handlebars. Let's go! Harding said, climbing on the bike. She kept her eyes on the raptor. The head gave a convulsive jerk. The eye blinked again, and it was definitely waking up. Let's go, let's go, let's go!